0: For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. I'm proud. I'm proud. I am proud. I'm proud to be Union Strong. To be Union Strong. To be Union Strong. To be Union Strong.
1: I'm a teacher, and I'm Union Strong.
0: I wouldn't have it any other way. Combating climate change while protecting workers is a top priority for the union movement, which is why the New York State AFL-CIO, along with our affiliates, have been involved every step of the way as the state moves toward achieving its ambitious clean energy goals laid out in the 2019 Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act. Joining me on the podcast to talk about how we address climate change in a responsible way is the president of the New York State AFL-CIO, Mario Salento.
1: Thank you for having me, Darcy.
0: So um, there's a lot going on with climate change. I think we can all agree this is probably, it is the biggest challenge we're ever going to face in our generation. And really, it all goes back to, workers making all of this happen, which is why we wanted to talk to you about that today, that what's important and what do we have to keep in mind and what is the state Fed doing to make sure that we do this in the right way? Darcy,
1: the labor movement has been very clear, and the state AFL CIO has been very clear from the beginning that the most important thing is that we join with everyone. We join with environmental groups. We join with elected officials. We join with community organizations to say yes, the labor movement is all in on combating climate change. But we want to do that in a way that creates good solid family-sustaining union jobs while mitigating job loss. Mm -hmm. And we can do all of that. We said from the beginning, we'd like to amend the CLCPA, and that would affect all projects moving forward. It would mean thousands of construction jobs uh, that would be covered by PLAs and and have prevailing rate attached to them. It means that we'd have labor peace agreements for supply chain uh, and manufacturing jobs. It means that we would include buy New York and buy American in in everything moving forward. See, that's really key for us. It's about not only now, but it's about the future. We've also said that we want to mitigate job loss, and the way you mitigate job loss is, is to ensure that no current facilities are shut down before the renewable energy facilities are already up and running, right? So these facilities have to be up and running. It's not as if you shut down a facility on Monday and you open the other one on Tuesday, the new ones on Tuesday. They have to be up and running. That will mitigate job loss. In addition, we need to have a direct funding stream through the Department of Labor for training and retraining mm-hmm. and skills upgrades that will help us to to ensure that people are ready to transition because we know there are workers out there who know today that their jobs are going to be obsolete mm-hmm. in 5 or 6 or 7 years. So there are there are thousands of New Yorkers who are already stressing over the fact that I may not be able to support myself and my family. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So this state has to be ready to train and they have to be trained while they're in their current jobs so that they're all ready and we're all ready to, to take that next step as the new renewable energy facilities are being opened. We have to look at options like geothermal. You know, we've called on uh, on the state and we've, we've been talking to our elected uh, representatives in the state legislature and, and we've spoken with the governor's office about ensuring that the state allows their state facilities to have to create geothermal networks. And this will allow us to create thousands of of building trades jobs. It'll allow us to create thousands of residual jobs. We will be able to decarbonize and create jobs at the same time. That's a home run. These are the things we're looking at. We're looking at other initiatives that have been been, uh, discussed, like cap and invest. If we're going to do that, we're supportive of the concept mm-hmm. as a labor movement. What we want to make sure is is that as we transition, good, solid union manufacturers are not sent out of business. You know, if that happens, there are three things wrong with that. First, people lose their jobs. We can't have that. Second, if these facilities close down, those people who lose their jobs obviously aren't paying income tax any longer. Those facilities that are up and running, there's no tax revenue going back into the communities. So that's not there. So those communities suffer tremendously. How do they make up that revenue? They can't. Third, if we allow these companies, these good, solid union companies, to leave the state and go elsewhere, out of the state or out of the country, they are going to go where there aren't any emission standards and levels, right? That means we defeat the purpose of Mm -hmm. trying to combat climate change if these companies are going to go somewhere else and continue to to, uh, emit fossil fuels in the way they have been over the years. So everyone loses. So we have to be clear and cap and invest. We want to make this work, but we have to protect good union, solid manufacturing jobs, as well as obviously the jobs of workers.
0: So um, part of that was your involvement in the Climate Action Council, and that had begun a couple of years ago. And for a time, labor didn't even have a seat at the table, right? And and then you were brought on board to give that voice, to lend that voice. Just talk about that process a little bit, because yeah. I know there were all kinds of meetings over a long period of time. Right. There were hearings, um, so many thousands and thousands of comments coming in. Can you give us an idea of, you know, what was that like? And and I know you talked about some of the goals, but what was your main goal in being part of that council?
1: Yeah, that was an interesting time because um, the Climate Action Council had been meeting for two and a half years prior to my appointment. I was appointed last May of 2022. So there had been two and a half years of meetings of the 22-member Climate Action Council. Mm -hmm. Uh, Finally, I was appointed in May. My first meeting, I believe, was in June. So we had six months to play catch-up on two and a half years of lost time. As a result of not having a labor voice on that council, there were no labor standards or protections in the draft scoping plan. And the scoping plan is kind of the roadmap to how we're going to achieve these goals. Exactly. It's the template for what we want to do moving forward. That's exactly right. So Two-and-a-half years of meetings, no labor standards or protections. Um, as upon my appointment, we have a, an internal climate action committee within the state AFL-CIO. Mm-hmm. We then, Darcy, as you alluded to, had dozens of meetings in person and Zoom, making sure that we addressed the issues of building trades unions, manufacturing unions, uh, public sector unions, everyone across the board. What kind of language would they need included in the scoping plan? Because it is going to be the template for the, template for the future. Uh, we actually then called meetings. We had meetings with the Department of Labor and NYSERDA and talk about different things. And, and finally, by the time we got to December, as the labor movement drew together, you know, our affiliates did a tremendous job of making sure they, they expressed exactly what was needed for their members. And I tip my hat to all of them. Finally, at the, the December vote, to, to vote on the scoping plan, I, on behalf of the labor movement, was able to vote yes that we would support it because we got nearly everything that we wanted in terms of labor language and protections and standards in the final scoping plan.
0: Which is a victory in and of itself when you think about the time crunch that you were under to make that happen.
1: And that's why our affiliates deserve a great deal of credit. But it's also important because, in fact, it is the template for the future. So we were able to get language that spoke to prevailing rate and labor peace and project labor agreements. And we were able to get language on supply chain uh, labor piece. We were able to get uh, language for Buy New York and Buy American. We were able to get protections for public sector workers so they wouldn't be um, dislodged from their current jobs. So we were able to do all of that. Now the trick, as you know, as we're the last few weeks here before the budget is due, is taking that, that language in the scoping plan. That's the template of what we wanna do and
0: enacting it into law. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are right now. So um, we're in the process of we're talking to legislators. I know we're still talking to our affiliates. Our affiliates are talking to legislators. Um, is there something that anybody watching or listening can do to help us to make sure that that happens? Well, I, I think certainly, we, as I said,
1: our goal is to combat climate change. But in addition to that, anyone who who cares about the environment should also care about the workers who are going to literally transition us to this new way of life. And that's what it is. And nothing happens. Nothing happens unless our workers are trained and skilled and ready to go. So I would just ask anyone who's concerned about combating climate change and and our overall economy to work with the labor movement to ensure that workers are, are trained, highly skilled, ready to go, and that we don't do anything to shut down any of our current facilities until the new renewable energy facilities are already up and running. That's a win-win for everyone.
0: Okay, very good. Well, thank you, Mario. And this is kind of the beginning of what we're doing on this series looking at climate change. We're going to be talking to some of our affiliates, leaders from affiliates, who can kind of get into the weeds a little bit more about what their concerns are and their goals are. So this is kind of the kickoff for that. So thank you for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Darcy. Joining me on the podcast is our communications and campaigns coordinator, Liz O'Neill. Hi, Liz. Hi, Darcy. So that was kind of a nice overview that Mario just gave us on uh, how labor is addressing climate change, but um, we want to kind of break it out into a a couple extra segments moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Mario gave us a good idea of, you know, where, uh, how we got here, uh, where we're going, what the priorities of the union movement are, Um, but on the podcast uh, coming up, we'll have some of our affiliates on to talk more specifically about the issues, um, you know, and, and get a better idea of uh, the big picture. Right. So I think that'll give us a lot of insight uh, when we hear from those leaders, whether it has to do with manufacturing or, um, you know, maintenance operation, um, the public sector, how they're involved in maintaining their jobs or or being retrained. There's really a lot to it. So we'll we'll address that in the upcoming podcast. Yes, we will. Thanks, Darcy. All right. Thank you. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary-treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State Union strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit NYSAFLCIO.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.